Did you know that Kubernetes does not do the networking by itself? It relies on the third-party plugins, namely the CNI plugins. Now, why is it done this way? Why doesn't Kubernetes does the networking by itself? Why does it have to rely on third-party plugins? And how is it done? And why? Uh, what is the story behind it? Oh yeah, and how I ended up contributing unknowingly at that time to one of the CNI projects and the Kubernetes ecosystem interns. If you want to listen to that, do tune in to this fourth episode of Being DevOps. This is your host Gaurav Shah, and this episode has been sponsored by listeners like you who have subscribed to my courses on schoolofdevops.com, Udemy, Linux Foundation, edX and many other platforms. Let's get started with the Kubernetes networking story. So here goes the story of networking in Kubernetes. And while I record this episode, there's a rain shower and heavy thunderstorm going on in the background. So you might hear that a little bit while I speak, even though I have a pretty good mic, mic which isolates most of the background noise. Now let's begin with the actual story of Kubernetes networking. And any story related to Kubernetes always takes me back to the Google's Borg system. Because G Kubernetes actually originated from Borg. And the networking in Kubernetes is heavily influenced the way it is done uh, based on how it was done in Borg. Because that's how it started. So let's first talk about how the networking was done in case of Borg. So Google started migrating their workloads to containers sometime around 2003 and 4. I have already narrated the story of Kubernetes and Borg in my second episode of this uh, Being DevOps. So if you want to hear that, definitely go and check that episode. Talking about networking in Borg specifically, in 2003 and 4, when Google started migrating their workloads to the containers, they built their container orchestration engine called as Borg or a cluster manager called as Borg. Now at that point of time, networking namespaces were still evolving. I mean, namespaces were evolving. You had file system namespaces starting with Charoot in 1979, and then there was PID namespaces in place by 2003 and four. Uh, however, the network namespace was com not completely evolved. So when Borg was created, Google started migrating their workloads to the, this system, and they started running it using containers. There were two main reasons for doing that. One was, uh, you know, basically getting more uh, resource utilization out of the same hardware. And, uh, and, uh, and a side effect of that was sort of, a, um, you know, motivation was uh, to save the costs in the process of doing that. Because if you can pack in more applications on the same hardware, eventually you can end up saving the cost and running more applications with the same, you know, uh, getting more density out of it. Now, uh, Google started contributing to the world of containers and they started uh, contributing the kernel code. They created this process isolation and that is known as C groups today. However, the network networking was very, you know, not completely evolved uh, with the SDN until SDN came in uh, to picture later in, uh, you know, later in this decade after 2010, that is. Now, how did Google did the networking for the containers when they moved to Borg? 
and that was quite complex because you know what they did was they were sharing the network namespace with the underlying host itself what that meant was every container that we would create would have its own root file system would have its own image would have its own process which are isolated however they were using the network from the same host so there was no completely evolved network namespace as a result of that if they wanted to run more than one containers with the same port for example if you wanted to run two web servers you couldn't run it on the same 80 port on the host right because there was no network namespace so if you run it on 80 port uh, the 80 port on the underlying host itself is taken and then you cannot run another container with 80 port so what they ended up doing was for every application for every container there would be a new port even if you run two web servers it would run it with two different ports let's say port 80 and 81 or more like higher number of ports like 8081 8082 8083 8084 so they had to maintain these port mapping configuration somewhere and that was complex thing to do because you couldn't build it into the image itself and if you run your application on let's say port 80 as part of the image it wouldn't just work so they ended up creating this very complex system with uh, every container taking up a new port Right. So when Kubernetes came into being and what happened in between uh, was Google started this in 2003-04, it started evolving. Borg uh, took its own shape. It started evolving as they run more and more containers, as they learned and implemented that learning into the system itself. Uh, it started evolving. And in between, uh, they contributed a lot of code to the Linux kernel. As an offshoot of that, Linux LXC was created and LXC's offshoot was Docker. And when Docker came into uh, a picture, uh, came into the tech scene in 2013, uh, a lot of things started changing. People immediately got attracted to it. Around 2013, I got started with Docker for one of my projects. And a lot of other people uh, in the tech world uh, took notice of Docker and they started experimenting with it. A lot of people fell in love with Docker because it was simple to use, it would save you time, it would save you resources, it was great for development. And of course, if it is great for development, why not take this to production was the next question. And then people in Google, there were you know three developers at Google who started talking about, hey, uh, anyways, everybody's gonna need the container orchestration engine because if you wanted to run those containers at scale, you would have to have some way to schedule those. You would also need a way to network those containers and connect them to each other and so on, right? So they thought of creating this container orchestration system and what they came up with was Kubernetes, which was announced in 2014 and released in 2015. Now, when they created Kubernetes, they had to find a network solution. By 2014 and 15, STN was already evolved because as cloud started becoming mainstream, a lot of people started building solution on top of cloud and even the network became software defined now. So you could programmatically create network interfaces, set up routes, connects the host and so on. And uh, that was in place by 2014. In fact, uh, that was the time when Kubernetes had to decide which network solution to use because they didn't have their own solution from Borg. Kubernetes was based, the core features of Kubernetes was, were based on how Google run their orchestration engine and that was Borg basically there from their learning. So a lot of things were designed in a very nice way. 
uh, when Kubernetes came into being, it was quite robust. It was it worked really well at um, it could manage the scale really well, and it was a very reliable system. But they didn't have a networking solution of their own, so that's when they decided to. Uh, you know, do something about it. And what they decided to do, uh, the first thing that they wanted to do here was instead of relying on this complex scheme of, uh, you know, defining a new port for every container, they wanted to give every container or in case of Kubernetes, every pod, a IP. So IP per pod was the core concept they wanted to bring in. To bring that in, they had to use the software defined networking. Now, if you wanted to do that, you have a solution, either you can create your own solution or you can look out and find a solution which is already there. Now, when they you know, uh, thought about it, and since they wanted to make Kubernetes uh, more open source friendly, and they actually open source the product itself, and uh, they wanted to support the broader open source community. So instead of creating their own solution, they decided to use an already existing solution. Now, when they decided to do that, they had two choices, two standards in the world of container networking, as you may call it. The first standard was CNM, Container Network Model. And that was created by Docker as an organization, Docker as a product. The second standard was created by Core OS. Core OS is now part of Red Hat. And Core OS created a, another standard called as CNI, Container Network interface. Now the choice was between these two, CNM from Docker or CNI from CoreOS. Now Kubernetes team evaluated both of these. And after evaluating it, they decided to pick CNI. CNI, the one created by CoreOS. Now why did they do that? Now, um, well, I'm not sure about completely all of the reasons, but it was mainly the few reasons were CNM the one created by Docker was very tightly coupled with Docker. That was one. Second was it relied on a external key value store such as console or etcd to store its configuration versus CNI did not have a requirement of an external key value pair. So it was a simple standard. It didn't require that external dependency. It was more flexible than CNM. And that's why they decided to use this new standard called a CNI. Now talking about CNI, what does it really do? CNI is a standard and it defines mainly a spec. Uh, what is a spec? So when Kubernetes wants to create a pod and wants to network it, obviously you have to network the pod. And what you also need is a pod or a container on one host should be able to talk to a container on a different host. That is a core requirement because when you talk about container orchestration engine, you would be running your containers across a bunch of servers. You would essentially take a bunch of servers that you have, or maybe cloud servers that you have, let's say hundreds of those and connect them together, create a cluster out of it. And then you'll treat it as one logical entity, uh, one cluster. And instead of thinking about, let's say, Hey, I want to run these containers on these hundred nodes. You would look at that as one entity, one cluster and say that, Hey, I want to run these many containers on this cluster. So immediately as a user, your problem becomes simpler. All you have to do is just submit your workloads and the cluster will take care of running it by itself. Now, when cluster does that, that is Kubernetes. If there are containers running on two different hosts, they need to be connected. That was the essential requirement. And for that, this SDN and the network solution was being considered. 
Now, talking about the CNI as a spec, it has a very simple spec. There are only four calls that you can make using that CNI spec. You can write JSON configuration and you can make those four calls. What are the four calls? One is to create a network. So when Kubernetes schedules a pod or schedules a container, it calls a CNI plugin. So Kubernetes by itself doesn't do the networking. It is outside its purview. Kubernetes does not do its own networking. Kubernetes just runs the pods. And when it decides to create a new pod, it is going to call a CNI plugin. So there are two things here. One is the CNI spec. A spec is a standard. You just write a standard that, hey, this is a standard. Just like, you know, you have standards such as uh, USB, for example. USB is just a standard. And then there are devices which are compliant with USB. So any device which is compliant, compliant with USB, you can communicate with your system. Basically, it's, it's simple as that. So similarly, CNI is a standard. And then there are systems which are compliant with CNI. So the actual networking is done by various different plugins. And that's where the CNI plugins come in. So there are two things here to consider or to know. One is the CNI standard, second are the plugins. Plugins are the ones which actually do the implementation. And there are three main responsibilities of a CNI plugin, a networking plugin. What are those three responsibilities? Number one is to provide a IP per container. In case of Kubernetes, it is per pod. So to provide an IP per pod is the first responsibility of a CNI plugin. The second responsibility is to provide it with the IP address management. So IP per pod. So the actual in creating the actual virtual interfaces and providing it with an IP. That's what that means. Then the actual IP address management, because you have to maintain an IP address pool. You have to pick one IP address when a pod is created and assign it to the pod. So IP address management, or also called as IPAM, is the second responsibility of a CNI plugin. The third responsibility being to interconnect the network containers on different hosts. So to provide a network which spans across multiple hosts. That is the third responsibility of a CNI plugin. Typically, these networks are also called as overlay networks because they basically span across multiple hosts. That's why it is called as an overlay. And these, this is a private network between all the pods which are part of that cluster, right? And that's what the job of a CNI plugin is. And then there are many plugins. In fact, there's a very interesting story that I have to share because in 2014, I was running a consulting firm by name Initcron. And you know, a couple of years ago, I had worked with one of my clients. It was a startup based in US called as Vsider. And they had a SDN product actually sometime in 2000, between 2000, I don't remember exactly the year, but sometime between 2012, 13, I would say, uh, I had worked with a company called as Vsider and um, the founder of, uh, co-founder of Vsider, his name was Chris Marino. And I had done some Cassandra related work, a DevOps related work, obviously. I was not an, ex I'm never a, a product export, uh, expert. Uh, I generally help uh, organization with their DevOps work. So setting up Cassandra cluster, uh, and we run some benchmarking and we actually used it. They had created a very interesting product. It was a network uh, in a STN uh, solution where if you have, maybe you may have uh, your data center and then you have a cloud environment and then you are using a third type of a cloud. So you have two different public clouds and then you have a data center and maybe your corporate network. 
you can put all of these networks on a same lan a same network a same subnet just like your home network and that is what you could do with this driver they had built and the software build, you know sdn solution that they had built which was a very interesting solution so when to in 2014 chris came to me uh, with another work related to devops he mentioned that his company was already sold to cisco and uh, we cider that was the previous company which i had consulted earlier and we had a good uh, personal relation a professional and personal relation uh, you know and we had a good good uh, sync uh, we were in quite quite a good sync basically at that point of time so chris came to me and said hey can you do some ansible related work for me and they were in a stealth mode startup at that time i didn't know what the solution was i don't generally ask too many questions about oh, what is the product and stuff like that uh, i generally get um, people come to me saying that hey this is my problem can you solve this for me uh, we want to set up this network or, and you know and uh, basically our product is going to work on that it was a stealth mode startup i didn't even know about that product that part that point of time and uh, our job was basically to create some ansible playbook ansible was new in 2014 it had it uh, you know the timeline of An ansible meets um, overlaps the timeline of uh, docker i would say because docker came in in 2012 13 i see uh, 12 uh, 2013 uh, ansible came in 2013 around the same time late 2012 2013 was when it was created so uh, ansible was quite a new at that time and we had expertise on chef puppet we had just started with ansible work as well and we loved ansible working with that so by then i had delivered a few ansible projects too so chris came to me and said hey can you build this ansible playbooks for me and uh, this is a network solution we are working on and stuff like that um and then we started working on that so we in fact it was not me who actually worked on that project one of my colleagues um a uh, excellent devops engineer whose name is abhijit chaudhary uh, who worked for what me at that point of time so he consulted on that project we built some ansible and i was just helping him and uh, uh, guiding him whenever needed and that project was named at that time when we started the work it was it was not even named uh, after a few months it we realized that it was named or we knew uh, we got to know that it was named as project romana and romana is one of the cni plugins for kubernetes so i actually ended up contributing to the kubernetes ecosystem even if i didn't know it at that point of time and that's an interesting back story related to kubernetes cni plugin and my contribution to one of the projects related to cni now talking about cni itself uh, this is how the networking is done in kubernetes today and that's the story behind the whole networking how why it is that kubernetes doesn't do its own networking why it did not create own standard why it picked up cni and what is a cni cni has two parts cni uh, actual spec and the plugins and then there are many plugins available today now i worked on romana at that point of time the contributed to that but then flannel became a very popular plugin uh, in kubernetes quickly it you know it, it was simple it was uh, vxlan based so it was flexible it worked on any kind of underlying network and uh, flannel flannel became very popular so today there are i would say the three top cni plugins in the market are flannel weave and i would say calico calico is getting a lot popular today because calico um, the technology that underlying technology calico uses now kubernetes says you go and do the networking and you do, do those three things that i have told you to network the pod 
uh, do the uh, IP address managing and then the underlying network. Now, how do you do that underlying network? I don't care. That's what Kubernetes says to the CNI plugins. I only care about you networking the pod. And that gives the CNI plugins a lot of flexibility and you get a lot of choices too. So you can choose uh, solutions based on what kind of underlying network you have because you know certain CNI plugins are not or were not, for example, Calico was not always compatible with uh, all the cloud platforms because it needed certain feature to be available and that was the uh, the cloud providers typically had control over that for example bgp a border gateway protocol that is it is required for routing and stuff so it was not always available on all every cloud and then you know calico wouldn't work uh, from my experience initially it wouldn't work on every single cloud and it was uh, even though it was faster calico the reason why calico is getting popular today is it's much faster than other plugins because the way underlying technology that uses it works over a tcp uh, TCP IP, you know, layer of OSI networking, which is faster. It's an internet routing. Internet routing is faster. So Calico uses the same rules and it just relies on the routing and it does it really well and it's fast. Uh, Calico also supports certain advanced features such as networking plugin, which Flannel doesn't, for example. But Flannel and Weave specifically were using the second layer of OSI networking model, which would be very, um, I would say, which would be compatible with any network, any underlying network, you can just make it work. But it was uh, not as fast or it is not as fast as Calico is because it needs to, it has an overhead of you have to encapsulate your packets into layer two and then you have to decapsulate at the destination. So there is an overhead of processing every packet and that's a, that's what happens in the kernel. Sometimes you can hand it over to the network network card also. The modern cards support that too. So it is faster on modern cards and so on. So there are many dynamics, there are many um, you know interesting features of every plugin and based on that, based on what features you need, based on what is your underlying network, uh, you can pick the solution. And in certain cases, let's say for managed services on AWS, AWS has its own uh, networking plugin and uh, CNI implementation that they do. Uh, so a lot of cloud providers have their own implementation of CNI. So you use the same standard CNI. Kubernetes use that same unified standard, uh, but on certain cloud it is done with their own solutions or if not you can pick or use your own solutions and based on that there's a lot of confusion in people's mind when to pick which one and so on so you have to consider a lot of different things so you will typically choose between let's say top three top three top four is what i would say uh, like calico flannel and uh, weave for example and then you look at your underlying network whether it is compatible with your network or not. So you can eliminate which is not compatible. Then based on that, you can pick certain features. Let's say if you need network policies, you will have to go with Weave or Calico essentially, right? So uh, you can eliminate uh, the third one and so on. So you can work your way around uh, the plugins because there is no one silver bullet for um, ev any or ev which will work for every infrastructure and every cloud and every every architecture so you have to pick your own solution based on your situation that's what that's what the best approach is when it comes to picking up the cni plugin and that is how the kubernetes networking is done today and every time the workflow is simple so every time kubernetes wants to run a pod 
that's the way you run containers in kubernetes uh, the scheduler assigns a pod to a particular node and there is a component on every node called as kubelet which then get, gets informed about uh, oh you have to run this pod then kubelet is the one which looks up the cni configuration on that host the cni configurations reside on every host there is a plugin typically there is a component running for that plugin also on every host and then the kubelet is the one which calls the cni plugin and then says that hey i'm going to run this container give me or go and network this and then the plugin and how does it communicate with the cni plugin is through the cni spec so it's just going to say add a network it'll make that add call there are four calls as i mentioned in in, in the spec add or create delete version and check so you can only make four calls so kubelet can only make any of these four calls so it will typically use create or add uh, and then the cni plugin will actually go and fetch an ip address and uh, create the networking uh, you know the if it is done using a network namespace so it will create the network namespace and that's how the pods and the containers in kubernetes are networked and that is the story behind the kubernetes networking why it is done the way it is how it is done and what is the container networking interface the cni did you like the story do send in your feedback and comments and i would really love to hear what you think about it and also consider subscribing to this podcast being devops with weekly episodes and if you're interested in making a career in devops engineering do check out my next webinar at devops.pink/webinar devops.pink is how i share my link you could also check out the webinars from my homepage that is schoolofdevops.com That's it folks for today. This is your host Gaurav Shah signing off and I'm going to meet you in the next episode with probably another interesting story related to DevOps.